Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. <laughs> what the fuck? Hello, everybody, and welcome to my recap for the Academy Awards, and I'm honestly a little bit in shock. Every time I don't think the Oscars can get any nuttier, they prove me wrong, because we were cruising towards a very, let's be honest, dissatisfying show to begin with, and then about two hours in, something happened, so we're going to talk about the whole show, the things that I liked, the things that I didn't like, but I, we've got to talk about Will Smith. I can't, I cannot do this pretense where I'm going to talk about something and be like, oh, there's a big moment. Let's get to that later. No, let's get to that now because nothing like this has ever happened at the Academy Awards before. As far as I know, and, and I haven't watched the entire ceremonies from years past, but I don't remember any highlights where like Jack Lemmon stood up and slapped Johnny Carson in the face in the middle of the Academy Awards. In case you missed it, and you're somehow seeing this for the first time in this video, the talk of the Academy Awards isn't really who won or who lost or even the show itself. It's a moment that happened when Chris Rock came on stage to present Best Documentary. He was doing his Chris Rock thing, making some jokes. I remember thinking like, oh, this actually feels like maybe he should have hosted because he was getting some laughs. There's some energy in the room. And then he made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith's wife. And listen, it was a hacky joke. She she came to the show bald. She's been very open about having alopecia. It's a very sensitive subject, and I understand that. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> First of all, that movie's like 25 years old. I mean, Chris Rock is a great comedian. Just on a comedy level, I think he can do better than that. But yes, also, he touched on a very sensitive subject. And I think that, honestly, Will Smith was right to be upset by that joke. You have somebody who seems to be going out of their way to broach a very sensitive subject for your wife. And if you want to perhaps go and have words with Chris Rock after the show, maybe even if you want to go up on stage and say, hey man, that wasn't cool. Or if you want to even sit in the audience and say the bleeped stuff that Will Smith said, which we'll get to in a second, maybe you can even do that. I think the one thing you can't do is walk on stage and slap him in the face because then you lose the high ground. You're Anakin Skywalker at that point. And I think that that's what Will Smith did. He had the high ground and then he lost the high ground. Uh-oh, Richard! <laughs> oh, wow! Wow! And listen, I understand people get very protective over the people they love. I'm very protective over the people that I love. But the other part about this that just blows my mind is that let's say that I was at an awards dinner uh, for my job at my office, the Dundies, to take an example, something like The Office, and somebody said something uh, that I didn't agree with, and I walked up and I slapped them in the face. Uh, there's two things that I can pretty much guarantee wouldn't happen. Number one, I don't think I would be allowed to just sit back down and enjoy 
enjoy the rest of the awards. And number two, if I were to win an award later on, I can't imagine that my co-workers would sit there smiling and clapping for me as I accepted that award. I, I watched the last hour plus of the show. I, I was like Mugatu. I felt like I was taking crazy pills because it seems like everybody just decided that it didn't happen. I mean, people would mention it on stage and uh, like it was an anecdote that happened like, you know, uh, 10 years ago or something like Will Smith literally just slapped Chris Rock in the face hard. Will Smith oh, actually oh. just bitch slapped Chris Rock? Oh, 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 my. Yeah, it's silent because it was bleeped. Uh, that was not staged at all. There's no way. Uh, no. It wasn't bleeped, by the way, internationally. And if you didn't hear what was yelled from the audience, this is a clip from Australian TV. It was a G.I. Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth! I'm going to. But I honestly was shocked that there was seemingly no repercussion for this. Like... Nobody did anything. It didn't seem like anybody said anything. And the show just kind of kept going on. And I've seen some praise for Will Smith's speech. It was a very emotionally open speech. But his, I don't want to call it excuse, his explanation basically saying, love will make you do crazy things. Love will make you do crazy things. That's not an excuse. Love will make you do crazy things. Like, you're right, but that doesn't make them right. I mean, I was rooting for Will Smith to win this Academy Award, but I gotta say, yes, you gotta defend your loved ones, but I don't think this is the way to do it. And it's kind of shocking to me that in the moment, there really didn't seem to be much pushback at all from the Academy or really anybody else in the audience. And there are even a lot of people that are defending what Will Smith did. I, I kind of find it indefensible, to be honest. I think there's a line that you just don't cross anyway, but the fact that you are somebody who people look up to, uh, particularly, I mean, he talks about being a role model in his speech and about family and about being about love when he was like, oh yeah, you know, I want to be a conduit for love. I'm being called on in my life to love people. Dude, you literally slapped Chris Rock in the face like 45 minutes ago. Yes, people are imperfect, but I didn't really find like his whole thing of like, well, you know, I love my wife, you do crazy things. Anyway, thanks and have a good night. No, nobody, no one else would get that treatment. No one else would get that treatment. That is the star treatment. If you ever want to see the star treatment in action, then next time you're out of work awards, go up and slap the host in the face and see if you get the Will Smith treatment. So obviously that's what people are talking about the most. Obviously, because nothing like that has ever happened in the history of the Academy Awards. But there's something else that I want to point out that not a lot of people have been pointing out, which is that when they cut to Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith, after Chris Rock made the G.I. Jane 2 joke, Will Smith laughed at the joke. This is the, uh, no controversy here. That is 100% a laugh. And then sometime after they cut away and the time he went up and slapped Chris Rock in the face, something happened. I don't want to make this too much like an episode of West Wing because that was a whole thing. The president laughed at the joke. Corey. He did laugh at the joke. Yeah, he laughed at the joke, CJ.
Will Smith definitely laughed at the joke. Maybe it was an instinctual laugh. Maybe he was just trying to save face and didn't realize how upset Jada was. I mean, she obviously was not happy with it. But Will Smith did laugh at the joke. This is obviously a situation that's going to play out over time. I know that a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on it. And, you know, that's fine. Everybody sees it from their own perspective. Uh, but this really does feel like a, like, what the hell is happening? I mean, I feel like if we go back, like, the last decade, we had Adele Dazeem with John Travolta. And then they give Best Picture out to the wrong movie. And then last year, they decide to flip-flop the categories. And they end on no acceptance speech whatsoever. And then this year you got Will Smith, like the most likable guy in show business, walking up out of the audience and slapping Chris Rock in the face on live television. What the hell is going on? I honestly think it's some kind of a sign, uh, like a poltergeist or, you know, like the whole Scottish play thing where the producers keep trying to mess around with the Oscar show and try to fix it. And I think there's some kind of like ghostly presence that's trying to say, stop it. And it's just making the shows worse and worse, hoping that the producers will try to, you know, maybe take it back to basics. And instead, they just keep trying new, worse ideas. And the Oscar show just keeps fighting back harder and harder. If we're not careful, we're going to bring about the apocalypse on the Academy Awards. Because if Will Smith hadn't, again, slapped Chris Rock in the face on national television, then this video would mostly be about the terrible decisions that were made in the production of this show, both before, during, and after. This year, the big idea was to present some categories before the show and then cut the parts where their names were announced and they walked up to the stage and put them later on in the show. And this was done nominally to save time. This year's Academy Awards ceremony was the longest Academy Awards ceremony since 2018, so good job. Mission accomplished. Now, they did save at least a minute to a minute and a half, I would estimate, on each of the eight categories that they didn't include the full presentations of in the Oscar ceremony itself, from people walking out, doing their spiel, the clip packages, etc. So we're talking about eight to 20 minutes of extra time. How did they fill that time? Oh, in so many delightful ways. First of all, you had three hosts, which means that the show opened with a three-person monologue, followed by a second monologue with just Amy Schumer. I've got to say most of the jokes across the board tonight were pretty low-hanging fruit. There were a couple that got a laugh out of me. I did like the J.K. Simmons, Timothy Chalamet joke. We've been dealing with COVID for two years. It's been really hard on people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just look at Timothy Chalamet. Oh, God. Uh but between all the different hosts and the bits and the monologue and a performance from Beyonce from the Bic Highlighter Court at Office Depot Stadium, it was 25 minutes before the first award of the night was handed out. And the first real highlight of the show was from Josh Brolin. I love that he just does not give a flying F about anything. He proved the real importance of sound in the movie industry. They are the nominees for achievement in sound. That truly was the belch heard around the world. So how do you drastically cut the time devoted to one-third, over one-third of the Oscar nominees, and still deliver a show that's about 40 minutes over time? Well, you have extended bits that don't work. You also have things like a James Bond clip package that's introduced by three completely unrelated extreme athletes. You take Wanda Sykes to a field trip to the brand new Academy Museum, now open to the public. And you heavily promote the first ever public performance of We Don't Talk About Bruno, the smash sensation 
song of the year. Then you heavily alter it, including the addition of an Oscar-specific rap verse from Megan the Stallion. It was kind of We Don't Talk About Bruno, but they didn't even include Seven Foot Frame Rats Along His Back, which has been circling through my head since Thanksgiving. Thank you, Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think one of the silver linings of the show, at least, is that the song from Encanto uh, Dos Origuitas did not win, No Time to Die won, but that also means that Lin-Manuel Miranda did not get his EGOT, which some people would say was a bad thing, but he wasn't able to attend the ceremony because his wife unfortunately got COVID, so maybe in the future, Lin-Manuel Miranda can actually be there if he does get his EGOT. So, you know, that's like one okay thing, which is also rooted in a terrible thing to like 98 not good things. So you add time with the bits, you add time with clip montages that don't really matter, you add time with extra performances of songs that you radically alter, and then of course there was the advertisements. So many advertisements, like the one for that Disney movie, and that Disney Plus show, and that Hulu show, and that other Hulu show, and that other Hulu show. If ABC was so worried about taking time out of the ceremony, then they could have like cut down by half the the number of ads for Disney-related products, and you could have brought that baby in right at a smooth three hours. I think the best summation of the night was Troy Kutzer's wonderful, heartfelt acceptance speech. Dad, I learned so much from you. I'll always love you. You are my hero. Which was immediately followed by an incredibly not heartfelt token congratulations from Chris Evans, and then a transition to a sneak peek at Lightyear coming to theaters near you this summer. Congratulations, Troy Kotzer, on winning Best Supporting Actor. What an incredible celebration of movies. And now, I'm very excited to share a special look at my new movie, Lightyear. Okay, so let's talk for a minute about the Twitter polls, because this is the most hilarious part of the evening for me. Way back when they started announcing the Oscar show and details about it themselves, they were really hyping up these Twitter polls. They were going to feature them during the show. This was the way, you know, we couldn't do the popular Oscar like we wanted to do a few years ago, but this is the way to have your voice heard. We're going to feature it on the Oscar telecast. This was a poll that was run entirely on Twitter. And if you know anything about polls that are run on Twitter, then you knew exactly what was about to happen. First of all, you had the top five cheer moments of all time, which dated all the way back to 1999 with The Matrix. That was followed by a musical number from Dreamgirls. That's a pretty good number. Then you had two recent MCU moments. And then the number one moment... The Flash entering the Speed Force from Zack Snyder's Justice League. Of course a Zack Snyder thing won the Twitter poll. That's partly what Twitter exists for. It is a conduit for the Zack Snyder fandom. But the Oscar cheer moment was nothing compared to the fan favorite poll, which was going to be this big featured part of the telecast, remembered, and which was buried right before commercial break, almost at the end of the show. It really does feel like the Academy was embarrassed by the results. And again, I'm not saying they should have been, but I think... I think they honestly expected that like Twitter would pick five of the Oscar nominees for best picture as their favorite movies of the year. Yeah, no, that's not what they got. Instead, the top three were Minamata, a Johnny Depp film that only Johnny Depp fans have probably heard of. Amazon Cinderella, which seemed to be the ironic protest pick, and the number one fan favorite, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which I'm sure was only number one because Zack Snyder's Justice League was ruled ineligible as a director's cut from a film that was released back in 2017. And listen, it didn't matter what the question was. If it was, who's your favorite actor of all time, the winner would have been Zack Snyder. If it was, who's your favorite director of all time, it would have been Zack Snyder. If it was, favorite movie horse, the winner would have been Zack Snyder. That's how it goes with these online polls. 
rules. Obviously, the Academy wanted to tap into Twitter without knowing what Twitter was about at all, which is amplifying the voice of smaller numbers of fans to disproportionately represent the voice of all fans. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but that is exactly what these Twitter polls are. As I said, I found these to be probably the most amusing moments of the night. Here was my reaction when the Speed Force was named as the number one cheer moment of all time. Really? Whoa! What? The Snyder no, no, Cut. No, 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 no. <laughs> I love it. Don't get me wrong, though. This, this is, is a great. This is a great moment, moment but, but I love that the, the Snyder Cut no, folks got man. that to number one. That's wow. that is just. Mwah. And here was my reaction when Army of the Dead was named the fan favorite movie of the year. Oh my God! Cinderella's number two. <laughs> God, just throw us in the fire right now, please. Oh my god. Well, hey, the Zack Snyder people got something. Oh, oh my god. I love this so much. I love this uh, so much. I mean, I liked Army of the Dead, but just, oh my god. <laughs> so you had a controversial move with the nominees to save time that didn't save time. You had a fan-favorite Twitter poll that I'm sure didn't turn out the way the Academy thought. You had one of your nominees slapping a comedian on stage. I think the only thing more frustrating than what went wrong with this Academy Awards ceremony is that there were a few things that were actually done right. First of all, there was the genuine emotion of the event. As I mentioned Troy Kultzer's speech, the reaction of the team behind CODA to their Best Picture win, which was truly a long shot come to life in these last few weeks. Kenneth Branagh winning his first Academy Award. It's almost as if the appeal of these shows is in the genuine human emotion and the drama of these artists getting rewarded for their work. Not the comedy bits, not the performances, not the Twitter polls, the actual real humanity on display. I mean, hell, Will Smith slapping Chris Rock was actual human drama, and that was your number one moment of the night. When the producers got out of the way and let the emotion of the Oscars actually drive the show, it was exactly what people like about the Oscars themselves. Another thing that I really enjoyed, and a decision that wasn't bad when it comes to the nominees, were the clip packages. The clips for the performers this year were actually a lot longer than they usually are, which gave you an actual feel for their performances. Now imagine if they'd done the same thing and allowed people at home to hear 15 seconds of the best original score, or see 15 seconds of each of the nominated shorts. Because so many of them are available on streaming, maybe some people would say, oh, that looks interesting. I want to go find Audible on Netflix, or I want to seek out Robin Robin, that animated short, or I want to find that live action short film. Isn't that what the Oscars is supposed to be for? Instead, all of those nominees were pushed to that pre-show thing, and it was just a recitation of the nominees as quick as you can, followed by getting them on stage and off as quickly as possible. West Side Story, Todd A. Maitland, Gary Rydstrom, Brian Chumney, Andy Nelson, and Sean Murphy. Now, the genie may be out of the bottle on that, and I have to say I wasn't horrendously offended by the execution of what they did. I do wish that the nominees had gotten more time to showcase their work, but at least we got what seemed to be all their speeches. It didn't seem like we were cutting anything that they said out of the ceremony itself. And if you're going to do this, I think it was integrated about as well as it could be. But again, if you're going to do this, then bring the show in on time. Give me a tight 180 minutes. I love 
love the Academy Awards. I love most of the movies that were nominated for the Academy Awards. But at three hours and 40 minutes, it reminded me of when I was younger and the Academy Awards used to run four hours. They did actually improve the Oscars over time. They took a lot of the extra stuff out of it. And I think we were in a nice sweet zone for about five to 10 years now. But now they've decided what they had wasn't good enough. And they're just making terrible changes to the show. Now, one decision that the producers did make that I thought was really cool and I think that they should do every year were the reunions. We got a White Men Can't Jump reunion. We got a Pulp Fiction reunion. We got a Juno reunion. We got a freaking Godfather reunion. Even though, on a technicality, Robert De Niro was not technically in 1972's The Godfather, so he shouldn't have been there. But we don't have Brando, and he does play Don Corleone, so you know what? I'm going to give him a pass on that. But still, it was great to see these casts reunited. Let's carry that over. Let's do that every year. Let's make the Oscars a show about giving movie lovers things that they're not going to see anywhere else. The reunions, I think, made the show work. The live performances, meaning the performances that were there on the stage, I think worked. When you constrain them to just the songs that are nominated for Best Original Song, I think they add a nice change of tempo to the Academy Awards. If you keep things constrained to the movies, if you focus on the art, if you let the artist talk, if you let the actual human drama take center stage, then I think you're going to have an interesting show. All of these other changes feel like cheap pandering from people that don't know what the hell they want and even more don't know what the hell the audience wants. And not all of this is on the producers. Will Packer and Shayla Cowan, who produced this year's Academy Awards, were in charge of the show creatively, but things like pulling the nominees to the pre-show were reportedly ABC's call. That was an edict from the network because they were worried about the runtime of the show. (laughs) Well, there seems to be this desire to get the show back up to 30, 40 million viewers. That's never going to happen. The only live event that I think has been able to thrive or at least stay the same all these years is the Super Bowl because it's the freaking Super Bowl. All the other live events have dropped in number because movie going has changed, audience behavior has changed, viewing habits have changed. What the Academy needs to do is understand what's special about the show that they have and not keep going after an audience that they've already lost. I mean, do what you have to do. Put it on streaming. Renegotiate the different ad contracts you have with ABC. Yes, you may have to make a little bit less money, but I think you're going to always keep this hardcore group of fans that watch the Academy Awards every year. I will watch the Academy Awards every year and I'll probably gripe about it, but you know what? You still got my eyeballs and gripey eyeballs aren't any less than eyeballs that love the show. They're the same eyeballs. Let the Oscars be the Oscars because number one, I think that the show is really special when you just get out of its way. And number two, I think that there is some primal force of nature that is trying to tell us that something is seriously not working. Before we continue this breakdown of the Academy Awards, which itself broke down, I want to thank the sponsor for this video, NordVPN. Now, if you don't know what VPN is, it stands for Virtual Private Network. And what it does is it encrypts your traffic on an unsecured network in order to protect your online identity. So if you're using Wi-Fi in public places, especially if you're a traveler, like an airport or at a hotel, it's an extra level of security to make sure that people aren't able to track the information on your computer that you don't want them tracking. In addition to the enhanced security, If you're a film or TV fan, which I'm guessing you are if you're watching this video, having a VPN will also allow you to access libraries that you wouldn't perhaps be able to access if you were locked into your geographical location. For example, I was able to watch some of the Oscar nominees this year because I could log into my VPN in somewhere like Germany, which allowed me to watch a couple of the films that were nominated for Best Animated Short, or places where you can access different versions of Netflix to see the movies that are streaming there. It changes from country to country. I can also log in over in the UK in order to access the 
the BBC iPlayer and watch a lot of that. So with NordVPN, you get the enhanced security, you get enhanced availability to different films and TV shows in different geographical areas. What's not to love? And there's no risk in trying it. You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash Merle, that's M-U-R-R-E-L-L, or use the code Merle to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free and a bonus gift. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That address again is nordvpn.com slash Merle or use the coupon code Merle. And I want to thank NordVPN for sponsoring this recap. Moving away from the show itself to the winners, I was actually pretty happy with who won the Academy Awards this year. If you saw my video on who I would pick to win the Oscars, I actually did pretty well. I picked 20 out of 23 of the categories correctly. I missed on original song. I picked Dos Origuitas, No Time to Die one. I also missed on two of the shorts. I got Best Live Action Documentary wrong. I picked Audible. The other film that I thought it might be between The Queen of Basketball won. And then I also missed on Best Animated Short. It was, it was between Robin Robin and The Windshield Wiper for me and the windshield wiper actually took that but those were the only ones I missed it's one of the best years I've had at the Oscars part of it was the dominance of Dune Dune swept the technical categories for which it was nominated I have to say there were some people that ridiculed me in the comments about me picking Dune for so many different awards I was very confident that it was going to win those awards I think it deserved those awards as well Coda also had a clean sweep of its own. It wasn't nominated for a lot of awards, but it swept the awards for which it was nominated. Best Supporting Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Picture. Hey, listen, if you're going to sweep three awards, those are three pretty good awards to sweep. I know there's been a lot of discussion about Coda. For so long, it seemed like the power of the dog was the unstoppable juggernaut for Best Picture. I have to say that I really did enjoy the film. It was not in my top 10 last year, nor, by the way, was the power of the dog, but I enjoyed both films a lot. And I think that 2021 was a really strong year for movies. I know that there's always some disagreement over who the winner is, but I do think that Coda is a very worthy winner. It is a very human winner. It has a lot of heart. It tells a great story. And as people have noted, it's also the first win from a streamer. Uh, Netflix had been assumed to be the first streamer to get a Best Picture win uh, going all the way back to Roma, but it just hasn't been able to close the deal. And now Apple Apple TV Plus's Coda is the first film from a streaming service to win the Best Picture Oscar, so it will always have that little feather in its cap, and I'm sure that Netflix is fuming for not being able to close the deal there after having so many high-profile contenders, Power of the Dog, The Irishman, as I mentioned before, Roma, so many movies that seemed like could achieve that feat did not do that. In the acting categories, we mentioned Will Smith already, uh, Troy Kotzer as well. I was very happy to see him win. Jessica Chastain, I thought, gave a great speech. I was happy to see her win for the eyes of Tammy Faye. It was a smaller movie. I'm glad that voters actually watched it, uh, and I think that she was uh, fantastic in that film. Uh, and also, Best Supporting Actress, Ariana DeBose, you could tell, was so touched to be there. The fact that uh, Rita Moreno was there in the audience 60 years after winning uh, an Oscar for the same part, uh, just so meaningful uh, for both of those actors, and, and, and that's part of the show that I love, is when you have the established veterans who can win but then you have these new fresh faces like Ariana DeBose and you see that exuberation and exhilaration in their faces uh, for getting this achievement. Well-deserved in my opinion. Jane Campion won for Best Director. She deserved it. I think that The Power of the Dog was a, a masterfully put together film. Uh, well shot, well acted, uh, very subtle in its acting, which I think may have cost uh, Cody Smith-McPhee uh, 
perhaps the Best Supporting Actor award because subtle acting sometimes doesn't stand out as much to the Academy. But I think that it was very well deserved. Turned out to be the only Academy Award that The Power of the Dog would win, which is almost unthinkable even two or three weeks ago. In the screenplay categories, you had Kenneth Branagh, who I have mistakenly referred to as an Oscar winner many times. I think we actually had to re-edit like at the last minute uh, the Harry Potter Honest trailer all those years ago because I said that he won an Oscar or the script had said that he'd won an Oscar and he had not actually won and then I referred to him a, as an Oscar winner before he is now actually an Oscar winner so I don't have to correct myself uh, just an industry veteran who's done so much outstanding work over the decades so fantastic to see him pick up an Oscar and then Sean Hader kind of the opposite she's very new uh, to the scene but Coda was a really well written screenplay and she was up against uh, a lot of veterans and a lot of other fresh faces including Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, for her screenplay for The Lost Daughter. Uh, very tough competition, and I think you could see how touched she was by receiving the award. And then for Best Documentary, a lot of great documentaries. Summer of Soul ended up winning, but again, Flea uh, right there in second place, and I feel bad because Flea was such a great film, and it was almost like the second choice in every one of the categories it was nominated in. It was the first ever movie to be nominated for Best Animated Film, Best International Film, and Best Documentary, and if you have not seen Flea, it's available here on Hulu in the United States. I'm actually shocked it wasn't in one of the 40 Hulu advertisements that Disney had uh, during the show, but do seek it out because just because it didn't win those categories doesn't mean it's not worth seeing. One of the most unique films I've seen in quite some time. Other than that, overall, if you take Will Smith's slap out of the show, it was aggressively, I don't even want to say average, I'd say it was a pretty below average show. I like all three of the hosts. I think that they're very funny. I just don't think that they were largely very funny tonight. It all seemed like very very safe, toned down Oscar humor. And right now, if you're going to go with the hosted format and they did it without hosts a few years ago and it worked just fine, then I think you really need to be looking to infuse energy into that show. I think the only time that I really felt uh, the host's hand and not these lame scripted bits was when Amy Schumer came on uh, following the whole Will Smith thing and kind of said like, did something change? The vibe seems kind of different around here. I think that's the role of the host. It's not so much to be in all of these pre-scripted bits. It's to come out, say a couple funny things at the beginning, and then just roll with it as the night went along. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the Ellen selfie bit, but in the last decade or so, it seems to be that the Oscars have decided that the hosts need to do all of these pre-scripted bits, and I just don't really think that they work that well. They generally don't. Some of them have worked. Most of them have not. I think what we had were some really deserving winners and some great speeches that were overshadowed by some events that were not in the Academy's control, but also by decisions like moving the nominees to the pre-show and all of the talk about that before the awards and all of the padding that was going along uh, outside of the awards themselves and I think that that's really a disservice to the great work that's been done because I'm going to guess that the ratings are probably pretty down, although I don't know how many people tuned in after the slap, uh, but I still don't think the ratings are going to be great. The reviews of the show probably aren't going to be great, and I'm sure that a lot of people are going to say, well, that's another nail in the coffin of the Academy Awards. The irony being that the more they try to change it, the more they accelerate its doom. So those are my thoughts on the Academy Awards. What a wacky night. What did you think? Were you asleep before Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in the face? I'm just going to keep saying it because I honestly can't believe that it happened. Did it redeem the show? Did it at least make the show interesting? Let me know down in the comments below and as always thank you so much for watching be sure to stay tuned later today i guess because this is a super early morning upload uh, for charts with dan as i break down the box office and also later this week i will have a review of morbius sure to be a best picture nominee 
this time next year at the Academy Awards. And of course, as always, I'll keep my ear to the ground for more news, reviews, and everything else right here on the channel. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks again to NordVPN for sponsoring this video, and I'll see you next time. Bye. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.